Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Timothy Miller of The Bulwark. Uh, this is the first time out from behind the paywall. The, the podcast is now being made for you, the people. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're going to mass communicating is something like that. So, uh, listen, two things. First of all, mash the subscribe button and also go over to the bulwark.com and sign up for all the great stuff. We, we do stuff over there every day. We have stories and podcasts and videos and, and it's almost all free. So you should go over and, and join us at the bulwark.com. Sarah, Tim, how are you guys today? Do you want to do any like preamble about the fact that this this is a podcast that we have done behind the paywall now for like a year at least, right? It feels longer. like longer. I don't know how long. <laughs> I think it's been seven been. years, actually, yeah. Sarah. Okay. Boy. Uh, well, uh, and so it is liberated from the paywall for the first time. Did you guys see the new cover art? It's our faces. Oh God. It's, no, yeah, it's, it is. That's exactly how there? you should feel about it. They have me doing blue steel. It's outstanding. It was like when they did the Not My Party uh, logo without asking me for approval. And I was like, the devil? I have like devil ears that's going up. I really didn't like it. I'm a prima donna. I can don't be a be little bit of a prima donna. Can I not? My staff has so much respect for me. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Just went ahead. <laughs> absolutely not that picture of my face. I know. You know what? This is This is a chance. For you to, Sarah, lead by example and by showing that you don't care about such trivialities to then make it so that everybody else in the organization also feels like they can't care about trivialities. That's true. I mean, what mm. I didn't I, I didn't I didn't really put up a fight. I was just like, all right, whatever. Yep, exactly. All right. Uh, well, so uh, but the magic is... has been happening. I think the important thing to understand for the new <sighs> listeners is that I like to interrupt and that this magic that you're hearing right now has been happening now for, for many, many years. And the people have been demanding it. The people have been yeah. demanding that we bring this public. Uh, mostly the people on Sarah's paid staff um, have been demanding <laughs> that we bring this public. Uh, they are uh, they're of the opinion that this is now going to be, I don't know, up there with maybe... Michael Barbaro in the Daily, or who knows right now the levels that we, the heights that we could reach. So please, please share it with you know your most bulwarky friend. Whatever level it is, it's the next one. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> All right, let's let's go here. We're taping on Tuesday afternoon. We were supposed to have the final January sixth committee hearing on Wednesday. That is now going to be postponed because there is a hurricane which is heading directly towards Florida. Uh, it's amazing. All of these models do not show a little bulbous thing where it could possibly veer off into Alabama or something. They just show a normal track. It's wonderful to live in a world where, where that happens. Uh, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on the January 6th thing, but, uh, but Tim, there is some new footage of Roger Stone out from the documentary. Uh, will you take this away so we can talk about it for two minutes? Yeah, um, are we listening to it? Should we listen to Raj? It's quite good, I and mean, it's quite. You you won't be surprised. All you have to do is ask. You simply r r ask it. Yeah, okay. And well, you'll the producers will make it appear. Uh, yeah, we'll get to it. You 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 will not be surprised. There's a little preview for this to to hear Roger, and this is not deep, eloquent thinking about the values of nationalist populism. Okay, that you're not getting the Claremont review here. It's a little rough talk. So let's just. Uh, just go ahead and check it out. Excellent. <laughs> the violence. The violence. Let's get right Let's get to the, the violence. violence. Get right to the 
Man. Shoot to kill. See him. See an Antifa. Shoot to kill. Yeah. Him. Done with this bullshit. Shoot to hmm. kill. Now I don't. That hmm. doesn't. That doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't sound like just people who have legitimate concerns about our election security to me. Uh, especially given that that audio was was from before the uh, before the election. <laughs> actually, <laughs> this audio is from before the election. Um, so they hadn't even hadn't even come up with the reason why um, you know the Hugo Chavez had 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 broken our, into our election machines uh, yet. Yeah, my top thoughts on this is is just the hubris of these fucking guys. Like this is now the second documentary film crew that we had following these people around. The Alex Holder uh, film crew that was following around the Trumps that the January Sixth Committee got. Now we have this. This is a Danish film guy. Imagine being Roger Stone and and feeling so above the law, knowing that Donald Trump will pardon you, that you can just kind of pal around with Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and just you know chat about shooting to kill, chat about undermining the election. Uh, the plans to violently overthrow our democracy and be like, yeah, you know, the Dane, we can let the Danes get this baby on tape. Tim, why are you so obsessed with Trump? Why won't you just move on? It's a good question. It's like it's like he broke your brain or something. I do feel broken. Right? Why can't you just plan for the post-Trump Republican future? Uh, is Roger going to be involved in that? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, thoughts? I mean, Roger's a bad person. And wait, Tim, just to go back, where was this? Like, what, what what was the context under which he was saying this? He was hanging out with a bunch of Proud Boys. Yeah, he's like, they're driving in the car, hanging out with a bunch of Proud Boys. And uh, a Danish filmmaker is covering, uh, uh, is following their efforts. Uh, the election hasn't happened yet, but they're talking about how they shouldn't wait for the, why wait for the votes? You know, don't even need to wait for the votes. Let's just get to the violence. Let's just get to the violence, yeah. So there's also a second piece of audio you know, with him with another group of Proud Boys in which Roger Stone is saying that uh, it was important that Trump just come out and declare that he's won because, uh, you know, the votes might not show that. But uh, possession is nine tenths of the law and make them try to take it from him. Yeah. And, okay. uh, you know, Sarah, what do you think about all this? This is great for democracy. It's totally cool, right? So this isn't the only time where somebody has said, like, what Trump should do is just come out and declare victory. Mm. Somebody Bannon. else said it. Bannon. Like, Bannon, right? So like in the bowels of Trump's, what are actually his quite close advisors, Roger Stone, Steve Bannon, the people who've surrounded him, there was this sort of premeditated theory that even if he loses, he's going to come out and declare victory. What's interesting about the Roger Stone piece is the violence part where they seemed ready, right, to have the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers show up and cause violence and mayhem. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that the January 6th committee would want to highlight the fact that there was this, you know, group of people. When you think about, too, sort of the aftermath of it all, it's so brazen. These guys are out there on film talking about their premeditated violence, their premeditated desire to say that the election, that Trump should just declare victory no matter what. And yet they still had the audacity when it all went down to be like, that was Antifa. Let's look at those Black Lives Matter guys it's attacking the Capitol under false flags to make us Republicans look bad. You know, and this is this really is where the bifurcated media gives such an advantage to all of these like lunatics because it's like hard to actually piece it all together or like you piece it all together a year later 
we hear this and it should be smoking gun kind of territory, right? Like these guys were planning the violence. They were planning to declare victory. It all happened just like they were planning it to happen. And yet we're all like, yeah, Roger Stone's a lunatic. That tracks. <laughs> well, it it's this shows to me, this is like following an EPA investigation on a toxic leak in a river, right? So the, you start with this. Who's the river? Uh, the, the river is the Republican Party. Hmm. So you, you have this stuff at the source. We have Roger Stone asking for violence and, uh, and saying, we're just going to declare it. And then it moves downriver into the Cary Lake parts of the world where everybody just takes as given that, uh, of course, the election was stolen. We need to jail the people who were counting the votes because they you know, locked them up because the, the secretary of state should never have certified this stolen election. Then you get Glenn Youngkin running out to Arizona. Mr. Good Republican, Mr. Youngkin model, Mr. The Future, Mr. You got to like Trump a little bit if you're going to eventually not like Trump at all. And you have him out there and, you know, it is like three degrees of, of Steve Bannon or something. And you wind up. Did you intentionally uh, do this metaphor so that the river landed into the Cary Lake yes. versus the Doug yes, Mastriano? I did. You that, know, really, I, that worked for me. My brain works on multiple levels, Timothy. That worked for me. Um, I, so the question I think uh, going to this is the metaphor is like, is it Stone that is at the core of this, right? Or, or to the extent, how, how close is Trump to it? And we don't want to beat the metaphor to death, right? But for a long time now, and this is the same exact thing that happened in the Mueller investigation with Russia, right? It's this notion that Trump is too stupid to have plotted this. Like Trump isn't actually doing this, right? Like, you know, he is hoping it happens and rooting for it, right? Uh, he's rooting for Russia to attack Hillary. He's rooting for these people who are charging the Capitol, but he's not really plotting it. He's not really doing it, right? Uh, this is your, I don't know where this is along our river, somewhere between Lake and Youngkin's argument um, for what's happening. But it's the same guy in both situations. It was Roger Stone that's talking to Assange. It's Roger Stone that's plotting with the people that, that were the active participants in the insurrection that were that were spurring on, uh, you know, the, the great and good Americans, the fine people who just showed up that day to cheer on the president and ended up finding themselves in the Capitol. Like the people that were actively plotting, it was Stone with them. And like, are we sure that Trump and Stone aren't talking ever? I'm sh I'm sure they are talking. Yeah, so this is where the January 6th committee stuff like remains still relevant, right? And I think where the investigative portion of the January 6th committee whenever they come back in, like that that element matters, right? Uh you know, the the extent to which you know, Trump is not just talking with Meadows, not just throwing a temper tantrum, not just having a speech, not just pressuring the Secretary of State. I mean, he's guilty, guilty, guilty across the board on all that. But but like how much he's actually also talking to the violent rioters. Well, but this is how racketeering works, right? I mean, you know, uh, skinny Joey Merlino at the top of the of the organization does not know every is that single a real person. Shake or you just make that up on the fly. That's a real person. Philly mob stories. Uh, he does not know every single business that you know Mikey Knuckles is shaking down on a daily basis. Is Mikey Knuckles a real because person? he just knows that Mikey Mikey Knuckles is doing you know Mikey Knuckles is doing what he's got to do and and doing his job. And this is you know so there are things which. I'm sure Trump knew things which Trump wanted to, you know, to instigate things which he wanted to have plausible deniability about. You saw this in the Maggie Haberman clip, right? Maggie Haberman had a, an excerpt from her book on uh, in the Atlantic this weekend. 
And, you know, like there was there was a moment in it where Trump is talking about uh, Sidney Powell and Sidney Powell's defense against the Dominion lawsuits being that she shouldn't have been taken seriously. And he thought that was weak. And he had like the legal primer ready for that. And, you know, I, I forget the exact phrase, but, he, you know, there's a legal term of art. He said, All you have to say is that to, to the best of my knowledge uh, and understanding that these things were true. He understands how difficult it is to prove intent. Yeah. And that proving intent uh, requires like proof of forethought or like an understanding of what you're doing. And he seemed to have that particular legal loophole uh, or not legal. It's not a loophole, but it's like yeah. he understood yeah. how you get That's around right. that. Uh, all right. So we'll we'll get the final January 6th hearing at some point. Before we move on to the next category, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but some I've just received something in my Slack that I think that it's worth discussing, which is the new next level imagery. And um and I also received that in my that. Slack. We look we a bit. Uh, well, I know. Look a bit I know. But I hadn't actually seen it. Yet. Wouldn't you say? Okay. And now I'm looking at JVL, and I, <laughs> I think that if you said to an average viewer that there's there are two gay people on this picture and only one heterosexual, <laughs> I, I don't know how many people would not choose you. I mean, you have a very kind of effeminate magician vibe on the. New, I feel like uh, on the new artwork. I'm, I'm, Gob Bluth in this. Gob Bluth, you to, do. You can, I guess the Gob final is countdown straight, on, and I'm gonna no. Yeah. Gob is not straight. You, That's the the great joke of that. <laughs> Gob goes blue for Ben Stiller's character in the like the fourth and fifth the Netflix seasons of Arrested Development. Gob and Ben Stiller's Tony Wonder become a couple. Oh really? I never made it to season five. That you kind of do. It is a gob. This is gay gob. This is right. It's. I think that's the vibe you're giving off. It's great. I'm about to do the sword of destiny routine. All right, let's move on. You get. Hold on. You guys are missing the main point of this artwork, which is that we all look like corpses. Yeah. Well, there like, needs to be some color adjustment. We all look dead. It's been a long few years, though, so I get it. I get the vibe that they're trying to send, which is these people have been beaten down by the Trump years, and they're <laughs> and they're here to report from the grave. We're going to try to go to another level above where they are now. All right. Uh, so, listen, I want to talk midterms. I want to talk about both Ohio and Pennsylvania because there are two interesting things happening. In Ohio, so we talked, I think it was last week, about the uh, Kemp-Warnock voters, right? It was uh, on our Not Quite Yet, Out From Behind the Paywall show, how there were a whole bunch of people in Georgia who were going to vote for Brian Kemp for governor, and they were going to vote for Raphael Warnock for senator. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more people like that in Ohio, where Mike DeWine is up by 23 points. He's at 55%. And Tim Ryan is at 46% leading J.D. Vance by by three points, which means that even if you don't believe the polls, even if you believe that the Ryan-Vance race is closer than it looks or that Vance is ahead a little bit, it means that they're like one in, I tried doing the math, like one in 10 DeWine voters is voting for Tim Ryan. That's nuts. Well, people in Ohio don't like J.D. Vance. Yeah, it's not nuts when you think that Sherrod Brown won in 2018 by six points. Like Trump won in 2020 by eight, Sherrod Brown won in 18 by six, which means that, and I've I've said this about Ohio, and if you listen to the focus group episode we did um, in Ohio, we talked to a bunch of Trump 2020 voters and Sherrod Brown 18 voters. 
And they were mostly going for Ryan. And the reason was, and actually it was it was pretty interesting. One of the main things was they did not like Vance. They did not trust Vance. But also Ryan had been on the airwaves mostly unopposed over the summer. And he'd landed a couple of doozies. And one of them, so first of all, he's running an excellent campaign. Really? Just a tremendous Door knocking, I'm your neighbor, like, I'm from here. He's a good candidate, too. He's a good candidate running a great campaign. And just really quick on the ads, not, and a shamelessly good, kind of the stuff you have to do that we're always asking Democrats to do. Like, he was running ads that had Tucker Carlson praising him. Yeah. Right? There are a lot of Democratic staffers who are like, ooh, they get a little, that makes them feel a little uncomfortable, a little queasy. They won't go there. Like, he's going there. He's, he's, doing he's touting that he he voted with Trump on trade. Uh, he says he will vo- he'll vote with whichever political party isn't going to outsource their jobs, the jobs of his friends and neighbors. He's got a great one where he's walking through his neighborhood and he's saying, like, I think about these people every single time I vote. Like, it's really good. But one of the ads that everybody remembered and talked about in this group was that he was nailing Vance on the fact that he had a scam opioid charity. So he had this charity where he was mm. supposedly collecting money for to give to opioid uh, you know, recovery services and zero dollars. Like for some reason it did some polls, this, this group. And I didn't really know about this, but the women were talking about it in the group and about how they went and ran it down and looked it up. And they were like, and it's true and it's terrible. So I I would say he's done a good job of driving up Vance's negatives over the summer in a way where, look, I still think Republicans come home. I think overall, generally I have a, a theory of Republicans coming home at the end. But I don't know. I, this is one. This is one of the craziest races where I think he does have a puncher's chance, and in part just because you know campaigns matter and candidates matter. Yeah, and I do think in Ohio, the, the, so the one polling caution before I kind of get into the good news is like the types of voters that these polls have seemed to be missing are you know the sort of most stereotypical Trump in the diner New York Times voter, right? Like the downscale white working class types that probably don't like to whine that much, even, you know, because he got cucked a little bit on COVID and don't trust anybody, uh, certainly any somebody from some other state calling them on the phone to tell them what they really think. And so that, uh, and if you look at where the polls have missed um, over the past couple cycles, it, it has been mostly these kind of white working class in upper Midwest, but even kind of in Maine with Collins. And, and you know, you've, you've seen this in places like that more than in other places. So, so it's probably not right in the sense that Vance is probably leading Ryan that's closer. But to your point, even if you unskew the polls a little bit, uh, like the gap is pretty significant. And, and to me, the telling thing, if, if the mega nationalist theory of the case was true, right, that there's this big appetite for Vance, Holly, Masters, you know, nationalism that like doesn't have Trump's like skill at the trolling stuff, but but is more, you know, the, the types of, you know, nerds who sit in conference rooms at Claremont and try to put some ideology around Trumpism and, you know, some sheen of seriousness around nationalist populism and are putting forth these candidates you know, funded by Peter Thiel. You would think that there would be some voters that would cut the other way, right? That they, that that group could be able to reach into, you know, some of your Reagan Democrat types uh, who maybe don't like DeWine, uh, right? And there's not like any evidence of the fact that that is happening. Uh, Masters is running way behind. 
where Lake is, for example, Vance running way behind. Like the, so the encouraging thing for me about this is even if um, Vance squeaks out a victory, it is not exactly a bullish sign for the for this for the scariest vertical inside our politics, um, which is these you know this new right. Let me uh, let me twist the knife a little bit here. Okay, great. I think if Josh Mandel had been the nominee, he'd be five points ahead of wherever Vance yeah. is right now. Right. The Republican institutions, which which went to the mattresses to try to muscle J.D. Vance through. <laughs> the truth is, he's he's such a bad candidate and such a mope uh, that, you know, and his campaign has been horrendous. I mean, he's barely there. He's like gallivanting around Europe and going on pilgrimages. People can smell it too. He's got the little beard and he like, he's like a, like he like feels like the beardy dude that walked into the VC firm in California and like wanted to be a fake Midwestern Svengali. Like he, he feels like what he is, right. Which is like not a real, advocate for like working class industrial Ohioans, right? People can smell that shit. And and Mandel is kind of phony, but it was a phony was in a like try more hard. typical. He was a phony yeah, it was like hard. a more typical yeah. Republican way. Yeah. Well, like the way Lake is, right? Like Lake is also a phony, yeah. but she's like Mandel phony. We're like, they're really committed to it. Super right. And then like feral level of commitment. <laughs> that's right. And so like, if you go back and, you know, if you really dig them up eight that's, years I'm ago, sorry, hold on. Sasha Baron Cohen levels of commitment like they are living the character right, right? Joaquin Phoenix yeah. levels yeah. they're going on Letterman in character like and they they to the point where like they believe it now themselves to some degree where like JD Vance and all these other soft boys that are running as the sort of nationalist populist types these are different shades of something that are not the same so on one hand right what works is when you run as sort of the multi-ethnic multi-racial working class coalition Right. And this is something that I think like Marco Rubio has sort of at least understood, like, okay, this is what we're going for. And like, sometimes we're going to side with the unions against big corporations because the the corporations are woke and that's different from independent businesses, which we still support. Um, That's different from sort of the nationalist populist thing that Masters and Hawley and those guys are doing where it's like a war on big tech and war, but it's all very performative and it's all kind of from Yale and people like that doesn't connect with the working class ethos um they like they hear it they're like yeah you're right about the woke stuff and i don't agree with that but it doesn't it doesn't hit people the same way and it's why it's hard for vance is because ryan does have that multi-ethnic multi-racial working class ability to connect and like that's why he's kind of eaten into their the the trump margins trump was able to connect with that multi-racial working class uh thing not because not because he was exactly like that but uh, even though he was very rich, but he still and had soft hands, uh, but he was still he was still somebody that they saw as kind of like them because he was very accessible in the way that he talked and so like he was very famous. Yeah, yeah. he was very famous. Tabloidy is WWE, and he is very famous, right? But but JD is more of the put uh, uh, to fighter point of it. Mm. It's like the severely conservative Mitt Romney moment at CPAC. <laughs> but like, he's like, I'm severely populist. You know, it's like you can just sense that he whiffs on it when, when he's like, I, I to be honest with you, Steve, I don't care what happens with the Ukrainians. I don't give a fuck what happens with the Ukrainians. Now, I working the people who are listening to that are kind of like. I don't know. I, I, I was I was with you on the fact that like we shouldn't be fighting wars over there on behalf of the globalists, but like 
I don't care about the Ukrainians is like a little try hard, right? Like I do, we do care about the Ukrainians. We don't like the Russians. We don't like the woke military, right? I, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're sort of trying to hit it, but, but you're trying a little too hard and, and veering off the edge and people just can smell it's it. It's not an accident that all of these big populist uh, tough guys are like Curtis Yarvin, J.D. Vance, right? I mean, they're like the most defeat. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, into Pennsylvania. So this is the other interesting piece of polling that I wanted to talk about. Charlie highlighted this in his outstanding newsletter, which is free every day with no ads in it or anything. Everybody should go sign Go to thebulwark.com and sign up for Charlie's newsletter. Uh, there is this huge likability gap in Pennsylvania. And the, the bigger one is mm-hmm. between Doug Mastriano and Josh Shapiro. Uh, Mastriano's at about negative 24 net likability, Shapiro plus 12. That's, Is that bad? Uh, I, I think it's not great, Bob. It's about the same as yours, Tim. Mm. It's like right the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> negative 24. I've been creeping up, okay? I've been creeping up. And uh, and with Fetterman Oz, Fetterman uh, Oz also, sorry, at negative 24. And what's funny here is that Mastriano has spent $0 on television and Oz has spent like an entire vitamin shop's worth of dollars on television. Uh, and, but, and what he's been able to do though, is, is drive Fetterman down to only plus plus three. But so here you have, in terms of likability, enormous high twenties to mid thirties advantages for the Democrats. But in the actual polling advantages, which are only like plus five to plus nine, Sarah, you know, a lot about this stuff. Doesn't likability normally track a lot closer with with how people wind up voting? Don't people normally vote for like the person they like? And like they then construct all their rationales after the fact? Mm, I mean, I think that we're going to feel that way because, I mean, I think the, the answer is sort of yes. And I think both these guys, I mean, I, I would say I think they're going to win. Um, I'm, I'm, I think that the Fetterman-Oz race is going to be closer than people expect, but I still think um, – Fetterman's going to pull it out. But this is what I mean about people coming home. Like, I think what's happening with Oz is people don't like him. And just one other just factor that happened is a bunch of the Republicans ran really sort of devastating primaries against each other. Um, And so, like, in the Pennsylvania primary and in the Ohio primary, you had this, right, where they were just destroying each other. They spent millions of dollars of ads driving negatives up on each other in the Republican primaries and the Democrats – in these cases, mostly just kind of walked in. You're making an argument for Joe Biden to run for re-election, by the That's way. That's not. I'm not. <laughs> not, I'm not. Primaries are not good for the party if you can avoid them. Well, it depends. It depends on whether you're trying to sort of like reinvigorate a new generation and have a big conversation. I just think there are times when you have the advantage of incumbency that that can be, that can be problematic. Whether or not that's true for Joe Biden is a different story. But it, it hurt these Republicans. And so that's part of the reason their favorabilities are so low. But also, like, people are going to come home. Uh, Republicans are going to, like, hold their nose and vote for Oz, a lot of them. And especially even these college-educated suburban ones that normally you see as being willing to vote for the Democrats against, like, in, in like, a Blake Masters case or something, they might vote for Oz. It's the, like, white working class Trump voters that actually probably pull Fetterman over the edge. You know who's one of these voters you're talking about, JVL, seems like? I don't want to speak for them. I can't get in this person's head per se, but based on an article I read this weekend. Tell me. uh, The great Selena Zito. The Washington Examiner, Pittsburgh Post-Tribune. She's taking a lot of heat for being a very Trump 
Trumpy, maybe not personally, but but her writing was very you know sort of representing the Trump voter uh, was was early on this. Uh, kind of seeing that this was happening in the Republican primary from Pennsylvania, seeing the type of voter they're, you know, living in her her community. And she wrote a basically a brutal takedown on Mastriano, how unlikable he is. That's because she doesn't get any access from him. This is maybe no, not okay, me. I'm, that, I'm just telling tell- you, I know Selena a little bit. Like, but isn't that tell it doesn't that tell you that doesn't that tell you something though? Uh, it tells me that they think that sh- they all think that he's going to lose. And so they think there's no price for crapping on him. Fair enough. But but maybe but I guess yeah. what I'm saying is if, if if she's writing this article, it's like Josh Shapiro, actually kind of a likable guy, cares about Pennsylvania, going around and meeting folks. Um, on the other hand, Doug Mastriano, really weird, kind of creepy, doesn't let any media be around him, don't really understand what, what is happening there. Are there not then voters who are who sort of are getting that same impression who, who are probably Trump-supporting voters, some of them might hold their nose and vote for Mastriano anyway, and some of them might just be like, I don't know, this guy is just too weird and creepy, and Josh Shapiro seems perfectly fine, I, right? And so I think what I'm trying to get at is that that, to some extent, explains that gap, too, where you have these people that, do, that they might not necessarily like Mastriano, but, uh, you know, they're still partisan brainwormed, partisan-pilled, and, and like, aren't, it's not, they're not going to go vote for Josh Shapiro, like a Jewish Democrat. How could right. you? Yeah. All right. So let's move on. There's uh, two things that our <laughs> our buddy Sebastian pulled for us, and I found them so compelling that I wanted us to spend like a minute and a half on each of them. Uh, the first is a clip from which we're not going to bother listening to uh, of Kirsten Cinema giving a talk at the McConnell Center. At the behest of her good friend, Mitch McConnell, who... Did you know he had a center? I didn't know he had a center. I did. I just assumed. Uh, you know, you spread that much money around your state for that long. Eventually, you get a center. And uh, and she, you know, Mitch McConnell praised her to the moon. And she just loved him right back. And I want to talk to Sarah about this. Because in theory, this is the kind of thing that you and I both really want. Correct? We want... I also would like to, Sarah, before you said correct, I also would like to talk to Sarah about this because I'm interested in if she can get inside the mind of a queer, (laughs) politically-minded woman (laughs) because I don't understand what's happening in Christian Zedrum's mind. So I want to see Sarah's opinion both from a strategic and a psychological I am a sucker for this sort of thing. I love the idea of having our politics back between the 40-yard lines where what we're fighting about are marginal tax rates and pork. And, you know, is there waste and fraud in building this damn project or something? That's what I would like to to spend my time worrying about. I would like to worry about, like, performing higher education or immigration or stuff like that and not worry about, like, democracy protection. And so one of the necessary conditions for that is that we need to get to a point where uh, the people who actually have to do the work of governing have working relationships with one another. and. Uh, some people see this as the swamp. Some people say this is, ah, this is all just BS kabuki theater. I place value in this and I'd like to see it. On the other hand, McConnell's introduction of cinema as he was just slathering her up. He was talking about how she bravely stood to protect the filibuster. And, uh, and, and here's what McConnell said. 
He said, if you break the institution here, meaning the filibuster, you break the country. Now, again, great deal of wisdom in that. I actually halfway agree with it. Sometimes I, I agree more than others. Sometimes I agree less than others. This is the same guy who broke the Supreme Court nomination process by refusing to hold a vote on a nominee for a sitting president, and then four years later, pushing through the nominee with no support uh, to to essentially fully rebalance the Supreme Court. He he broke, literally, he broke the country. He did that, Mitch McConnell. And now he's praising her for that. Sarah, you also like this sort of stuff, yes? Yes. Am I, am I, am mm-hmm. I putting why you, you like it? A... In this specifically, you like this sort of thing in general. Do you like this specific thing with with McConnell and Cinema? B, what is she getting out of any of this? Is she just getting to own the libs? Like what? Because I sat there thinking to myself, does she win a single vote in Arizona by hanging out with Mitch McConnell? Because to the best of my knowledge, nobody in America likes Mitch McConnell. Hmm. The MAGAs hate him. The libs hate him. Uh, the other, you know, there are a few people in the federal society who really like Mitch McConnell because he's gotten them a bunch of justices seated. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Sure. But he is an enormously powerful senator, uh, right? And so let's just back up for a second. And, and people who may be listening to this for the first time don't know that there's an ongoing dynamic here in which uh, you guys argued for a long time that nothing could ever get done in the Senate, that, you know, everything was going to be bad, nobody was going to cooperate ever. And I said, that's not true. I kept saying, I thought that there would be things that people would cooperate on that they could find 10 Republican votes for. And uh, that has turned out to be true over and over and over again. So when, but JBL and I had this argument on the secret pod when she did that appearance with Cornyn. Remember, she appeared with Cornyn to talk about the filibuster. Mm. And it was a little bit similar where it felt like she was the one being used as the political prop for the other side, right? And yet, I suspect that a lot of the backroom dealing, the like shadow Senate or the shadow Congress, um, involves the fact that Manchin and Cinema have these good relationships with Republicans. And I understand that there is a, a real desire to want to attack them over them not abolishing the filibuster. I am somebody who, you know, I am marginally for the filibuster. I'm up for some reforms, but I do not think we should scrap it. I've, the reason that we have the Supreme Court that we do now is because we scrapped the filibuster for the court appointments, um, which was the, both sides ratcheting up the the scrapping of the filibuster over time so they could blame each other tit for tat. Um, I think that it's good to have people try to get to 10 votes and work together and have there be something remotely bipartisan about it. Um, so what does she get out of it? I suspect she is at the center of a lot of deal brokering in the actual Senate, uh, which is good. So that's it? She just wants to be in the center of the thing? I just can't, I just don't understand, like, what does she want to get out of the deals? Like the whole, and she, she, the deals, but like the what? Deals. I, so she just, she just likes doing deals. Like that's it. She just likes doing it. Well, you say, the the deals, you say the deals as though there's, I mean, if she sees them as substantively improving people's lives. I mean, her thing for the Inflation Reduction Act was like the carried interest tax Right, break. the carried interest. So, Who and, wanted and look, that? Her and like eight hedge fund dudes. Maybe, like maybe she just, it was a sop to some hedge fund people that she knows. Maybe it was a deal she brokered with the Republicans, uh, for their donors. I have no idea 
why she she did it. Um, but four dimensional chess. Maybe she made a demand for the Republicans that the Democrats would have to accommodate. I'm just, I'm just not going to engage in performative cinema bashing just because it's like what? Neither of us are doing that. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not saying you. I'm not. I'm not saying you guys are doing it. I'm saying Twitter does it. I'm not saying you guys are doing it. I'm saying like it in the world right now. Right, it is like a very popular thing to just like Kristen Cinema is inexplicable, and I hate her, and she should get primaried, and like that. That well, tends. Can I just offer the the substantive case for the fact that sure. she's inexplicable and that she should get primaried? Sure. Is that she's inexplicable and she should get primaried? What? Nobody follows this closer than me. Okay. Nobody spends more time reading Twitter. I, I, I listen to lobbyist podcasts. Like I, I, I engage in this as closely as anyone. And I have no idea what it is that she wants. Like, I guess besides, like you're saying, besides to be in the mix, to be the person doing the deals, but like John McCain, when he was being mavericky had like a base of people like me, moderate squishy Republicans who were like also thought the climate change was real and that we should be nicer to immigrants and that we shouldn't torture people, but that are, that are conservative on other issues. Like when John McCain was being a mavericky, that was him. I, you know, he wasn't always perfect. Sometimes he was inscrutable. Sometimes he was, you know, easily flattered or whatever and would, would, would do some inside game stuff. It's not like he's perfect. I, I don't know. What is Christian cinema's ideology? Is she a center left liberal? Is she a, far left liberal is she a populist liberal like is she a corporate liberal i guess she's a corporate liberal now she's like she just loves like big corporations and wants to like think that they can do get jobs like does she just like mitch mcconnell's thing i i don't understand it's inscrutable joe manchin it, it was with her on all this stuff and it's very understandable why joe manchin is pushing for what he's doing he's pushing for he doesn't want the coal industry in his state to get screwed he, he he wants to be a little more open to culture the cultural right the working class because he lives in fucking west virginia where the entire state is MAGA republicans like i understand exactly why he's doing and what he's doing I, I don't understand what she's doing. I should be her base, right? I'm a moderate centrist. Like, throw me a thing. Be like, hey, the libs have gone overboard on this student loan thing or something. Here are a few substantive things where the left has gone overboard. And I want to, like, that's not what she's done. She's she's just, like, being weird. She is pretty weird. I mean, here's the thing. Look, she doesn't talk to anybody. And so when I say inscrutable, she is genuinely inscrutable. Like, nobody knows what it is that she's doing. But I, I think there's, like, a charitable case you could make where... She's watching politics break down. Uh, she's watching people hate each other. And she's decided that one of the things she's going to do is lean into demonstrating that you can have these kinds of relationships. And I do think, like, she is still voting for all of Biden's stuff. She is, like, she had this one weird thing where she dug in over the carried interest on that. On that. And I couldn't even tell at that point if, like, she just wanted her pound of flesh because she'd done a lot of work on. I mean, Manchin got a bunch of stuff too. The whole thing got reduced. Like she votes for all the judges. Like she's doing. She votes for most of the Biden, you know, agenda. Maybe she likes being liked by her colleagues, and she she like she liked by her Democratic colleagues. I have no idea. I don't get that sense. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, I look at this, and my I would say. For any person who has ever been in the United States Senate, if they're ever doing something that doesn't make sense, the Occam's razor explanation is because they want to run for president someday. And so I just assume that one of the things about cinema is maybe she wants to run for president someday. Maybe that's not the case. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Occam's razor isn't always right. I think one of the reasons that people find her so perplexing is because she was 
like a green progressive member of the green party. And so like, she's had a long journey. I don't know. Maybe she got there and said like, I don't know. I've now I've looked around this institution. What I think it needs more than anything else is like us to have conversations with each other and prove that we can be decent to each other. I just think it's a weird place to be in the Democrats when you're getting flanked on the left by Bill Crystal. You know, it's like, it just might be a moment, it just might be a moment to be like, what's happening? Speaking, what's happening right now? Anyway, okay, fair enough. No, but t- Tim, do you think you should get rid of the filibuster? Do you think we should get? I, I don't. JBL no, and I talked I, about this no, today. I, I don't. I don't think that we should get rid of the. I, I think that it's really stupid that Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster. Actually, okay, but that, that's that her main thing. That's the main thing she's stood up on. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. So I guess we agree on that. But it's sort of like the 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 way the manner in which she makes that argument is very is very odd i think um and again to jbl's point it's like oh i need to respect the institution and the and so now i'm here with mitch mcconnell the great people that stormed the capitol and and like all of my (laughs) criticism is about the left you know and i I, it's okay it's just like why is all every time i see her talking is she criticizing the left only like after we've had a a uh, storming of the Capitol. I, I I find that to be strange. I I agree with her on the filibuster. The what I if I was her and I was a a, a liberal, uh, which uh, she may not be anymore. I don't know who wanted to protect the filibuster. The argument that I would be making is I'm deeply scared that President Ron DeSantis in 2024 is going to ban abortion at one week federally. And and I, she has said that. That has been one of her points, but it doesn't seem like her main point, right? And, and so like that is what I, I, I think the left could really use somebody out there making that argument, which is, aren't you guys concerned about this? Aren't you guys like worried that getting rid of the filibuster could have some very extreme consequences? Like look at the laws that are being passed in some of these red states around trans issues, around, you know, all these other social issues. Um, like, doesn't that worry you? Maybe we should have a check on this. I, I think that's a compelling argument. Yeah. And again, I just, I have no idea what goes on in Kristen Cinema heads. And the fact that she's, although, did you see, I guess she used to date Keith Olbermann. He'd yeah. throw that on Twitter. Yeah. Very, that was a weird, it's yeah. a weird little thing to find out. Uh, so, like, I mean, who dates? Isn't he, like, 30 years older than she Yeah, is? so, like, who dates Keith Olbermann and is a green, clear, <laughs> like, communist type in tutus who then becomes a senator and hangs out with Mitch McConnell? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, bisexuals. bisexuals. <laughs> they just can't, you know, can't make this up is, their mind. Very, that's true. Can't make up. Uh, but, so, like, I have no idea why she is the way she is. I just, all I know is that there's a, uh, there are um, 50-ish other senators that I, I, I more than that, because I would put some of, like, the Maisie Hirono is like the really like way before her. Like I just, sometimes I find the obsession with cinema and even the hatred for like a Susan Cott. Like I agree obviously with what you said that like, basically I think everybody should focus on the people who did the coup, uh, that that's really important. That being said, I am sympathetic to being a legislator in a swing state who is looking around saying like, boy, politics is really toxic. Like it, and, and who decides like maybe it wouldn't be our decision, but who decides that the best thing she can do in her role, maybe because she's a people person or she's an institutionalist. I don't know. She's like, I can be friends with these guys and I can try to try to bring the temperature down. Nobody likes it. I'll stipulate that. Nobody is a fan of this uh, thing. I just that's my that's my charitable case right. for Kirsten Cinema. Someone had to make it. Someone had to make it. All right. Well, I mean, look, Joe Biden's been bringing the temperature down. God love him. Nobody gives him credit for that either. All right. 
Sorry, I had to stand for Biden here. Listen, we had a bunch of other stuff we were going to talk about, but uh, the show is already running long. Is it? And it's always running I long. I don't want to cheat. I'm well. We're not there yet, but we're going to be long. If I and I will have to cheat people out of furry talk, and so I am going to fast forward us right to that. Uh, Sarah, you just did a focus group about furries. I'm Ron Burgundy. Okay. No, JVL. Of course, that's not what happened. Okay. Uh, so, but this this was funny, although Twitter is making me so mad um, because nobody, nothing's funny anymore. This is just what I mean. Maybe Kirsten Cinema just got like so fed up with everybody and has just like decided to just one epic troll after another. Cancel culture, run amok. Run amok. So I'm doing this focus group with Wisconsin Swing Voters, and they're it's a terrific group. Uh, they are thoughtful. They voted for Trump in 16. All the reasons I always say hated Hillary Clinton. He was a businessman. Maybe do something different. Saw him, uh, over the four years and were like, absolutely not again in 2020. And we're very much sticking with it, but they all voted in the Republican primary, um, which was pretty interesting. And, uh, they, most of them had voted for governor for Cleefish, who was the slightly more establishment, type over this guy. Rep- I'm sorry, just, just for clarity, the Republican primary in 2022. In 2022, in like just in this, this last yeah. round, they yeah. voted in the Republican primary. Um, and so that's how they're thinking about themselves, right? Like they were Republicans, they voted for Trump, then they voted for Biden, but they're still voting in Republican primaries. And they all tried to basically vote for like the most, the more normal of the two uh, Republicans. They hate Ron Johnson, but just out of nowhere. So, they, you know, they're just talking and I'm just listening. It was actually, it was done the other night and I was just catching up. I, I couldn't watch it live. And so I was, I was watching the recording and I was listening. And all of a sudden, this woman, she's like, you know, she's talking about just how the country is falling apart. Mm. And, uh, and and she just says, you know, and I, I'm a teacher and I was at the school the other day for this event. And there were like 12 or 15 kids who are dressed as furries and like there's sort of this like record scratch in the group and like some people are like what do you mean furries <laughs> like and this group is just like all like middle-aged people and so like, lutheran wisconsinites <laughs> mild-mannered you know not a lot of cursing dag mammoth Sarah, i'm sorry i'm gonna re- i'm gonna require you to do the entire rest of this story in the wisconsin accent <laughs> i can't do it i can't do it and she's true and she's like she's like but her point her point was like this is the problem with trump is that once you just like anybody can say whatever they want anybody can do whatever they want bing bang boom furries. you got kids acting like furries but so then some of the kids some of the people in the group are like what's a furry and the moderator too is like is that when you dress up as a stuffed animal? <laughs> Which I thought was like, I, for, so first of all, also, I my understanding of furries is pretty limited. I just think it's always been like a funny thing. Something people say about Beto, like Beto's a furry. I don't, I don't know. I so, but so this woman says like, yes, I had to explain this to my like, you know, ninety year old mother recently. She's like, I told her that this monkeypox thing is real, and I told her that fur about furries. <laughs> And and so then and then she so she defines it for the she group. She's trying to kill her ninety year old mother. Yeah, she said her mother had a tough time, you know, getting coming into grips with this. But she she said that um, that furries is when you identify as like a dog or a cat. That's not correct. Which I was pretty sure wasn't right. That's not That's it. Incorrect. And and incorrect. so people and people so this but the group is really funny because the group is reacting two ways. There are like. Old men being like, they identify as cats and dogs. Like, like one old guy is saying that. Very nice guy. And he's just, and they're just shaking their heads like, this is the world has gone crazy. And then there's other people that are sort of like, 
so there's like the people that are like disbelief, but like whatever. And then there's the other part of the group that's like, yeah, this is a real thing. I know about this. I've heard mm-hmm. about this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's so, it's just, I, 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 I was laughing. Uh, I was crying with laughter, but then I tweeted about it. Uh, Wait, just, but no, before we get to the Twitter drama, yeah. no one, there was not a single member, including the moderator, the moderator, the moderator does not want to be Candy Crowley. There was not a single member of the, of the group who, who correctly defined the furry. I, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think anybody had like a quite, a, but there, there was like. Because it's a, it's a sexual thing. It's not a gender identity thing. Right? That's right. It's a, it's yeah. A, it's like you get off on fucking mascots. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Thank you, yeah. Those are the, the. So I think. I, I'm sorry. Right. Is that no, no, wrong? No, no, no. no Thank no. you for summing it up. I was going to give a much more deliberative explanation <laughs> than that. Uh, you know, for some of our listeners uh, to work them in. But no, you get off on fucking mascots. Oh, That's Sebastian, exactly put right. it in the yeah. comments. Uh, an enthusiast. Yeah, his his definition is also a little softer. JVL JVL really got an enthusiast for animal characters with human characteristics, in particular, person <laughs> who dresses up in a costume as such a character and uses. One is an uh, avatar online. Oh, that is also softer yeah. because uh, my understanding. And they meet in public. They're meetings. They're furry meetups. And, you know, you'll have like a Care Bear and, you know, whatever, Woody the Woodpecker. And they get together and, you know, they. And the Philly fanatic. Yeah, there's, with that there's tongue some of his. flirting happening. And, right. I, and, I don't, and I, I've never really quite understood. nothing for the Philly fanatic? I've nothing? Never, I, I was letting it go. I've never really quite understood like the particulars of the orgasm <laughs> and how oh. that goes down, because I think there's some challenges for the males in particular. <laughs> I, don't, I think there's some challenges there that I never really understood, but, but besides that, I'm pretty well versed. I just, I just, the end game, I don't, I don't know the details on Sebastian does, but he, he said he was going to share it offline. So, okay. So, but so I, I just, I've, cause I think I saw a documentary or something like on MTV when we were like all in our early twenties or something, this was a thing. Mm. And that's like the last time I ever like clocked this phenomenon. And of course at the time it was just like, all right, like this is goofy, but whatever. This isn't like a real thing. Like it's not like a lot of people do this. And if they do, and people want to get dressed up as animals and like, I don't know. God bless them. Hang Good out. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, it just, like, seems, like, relatively harmless compared to many other things one could be doing. I mean, you know. Uh, why don't they dress up as as Confederate soldiers and go out and do militia work? That would be wholesome. <laughs> it's terrible that they're dressing up as Elmo to, to bang it out together. They should be out uh, marching with armbands and AKs. And, and Tri-cornered hats. Uh, AR-15. Muskets. That's, but that's, that's, that's real That's not why murder. this is funny. But that's not why this is funny. This is funny because while they're having furry panic on this thing, right? And she's explaining it. Like, she's explaining it wrong. And so, like, the people in the group. So, it's, like, it's about identifying as cats and dogs, which is a nut, which I think is a newer phenomenon that, as Tim points out, is related to what is sort of the panic over the current gender identity that's going on, right? It's sort of, like, queer. It's not a new phenomenon. It's, like, a series of Facebook memes that old people are reading and thinking (laughs) are true. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that there were, like, kids at this school who, like, had, I don't know, like, cat's ears on or, like... That's a thing they make for girls now. They have headbands with little cat's ears on them. It doesn't mean that these kids... Are, are walking around saying, I demand that you address me as, as you know, Miss Peebles or something. Yeah, or they were in, like, footy pajamas being, like, teenagers. Like, this is the thing. This is where moral panic meets 
like kids gullible being we- old people. <laughs> well, like kids being weirdos just to do it because you know they're teenagers. Like they put on trench coats, they were goths, they were whatever. Everybody get this woman on though. Like I want to. I have some follow questions. Like what do the what are the pronouns for the cat kids? Like were they demanding to be called like <laughs> you know kitty? <laughs> she she clearly had just like seen it like this was an, and, but then somebody else did chime in with this other I don't thing. think she did I bet you anything no, she didn't she see I bet you she read something no on no Facebook. no this was she had a very clear story I'm not gonna because I don't want to I don't want to like put a place around it right um but she had a very clear story about a place she was and a thing that she witnessed so I'm not she gonna, was in crucial Waukesha County and this, this is this is per, this person. This person is totally normal. She is not. You do you do not need to disparage her. She's telling you a thing that she saw. She's just somebody who gets caught up, right, in this, like, because there is this sort of panic about gender identity right now and there's all these things and, like, kids are identifying as strawberries and, like, everything, you know, because, like, kids are just being weird. People use that as a way to be like, boy, whole country is falling apart. And I'm like, guys, teenagers have always been weird and, like, Older people have always been mystified by young people. Like that's all that's happening this here. This is literally the Satanism this panic. This is not with the, the end of Do you society. Remember that? Oh, but yeah. I thought it was just funny. Like I just thought it was like pure joy, funny. And the people on Twitter shared in your mouth. No, mirth? everybody like immediately decamped oh, into like, oh, and that's Biden's fault. And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like actually, she was blaming Trump, but like it's neither of their faults that like for generations. Kids have been weird and adults have been mystified by their like practices. That's just, this is just funny. Like, why then can't I just the other this? category of, of Twitter complaints? Oh, and then, yeah, but then there's the other category who's like, see, this is how like gender queer theory is destroying America. I'm like, guys, none of this is, this is, everybody settle down. Did you have anybody from the left chastising you for not taking the furries' concerns seriously? Uh, well, I did. There were people in there, yeah, being like, I've met, I've met furries <laughs> and they're very nice people. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not disparaging furries. I'm not disparaging that I, this is just, this is just funny guys. And why can't, this was, it was meant to be a timeline cleanser. And instead, everybody takes everything so seriously, and everyone should stop it. You can't have timeline cleansers these <laughs> days, Sarah. Okay, I just, please, just focus on the enemy, all right? Tweeting the about the people. enemy and why they are always bad. That's the only thing that is, that's the only thing that is acceptable. Good show. Long show. Very long show. First show out from behind the paywall it was it, something I else. I think we could have gone longer. I had a lot of good material. I had good material about Glenn Youngkin and the student walkout. I had good material on Gavin Newsom and how creepy he was. Why don't we cut the January 6th thing and talk about Gavin Newsom? Because we're not going to do that, Sarah. We'll do Gavin Newsom next week. Gavin Newsom isn't going away. He's so thirsty. He's going to be there being thirsty in our faces for until Joe Biden, like, you know, actually declares that he's running for re-election. And even after. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Everybody who's just joining us for the first time, thanks so much. Go ahead and subscribe. Mash that subscribe button. Tell your pals. Tell your pals. Go to thebulwark.com. Follow Tim on Twitter. Follow Sarah on Twitter. Sign up for Charlie's newsletters at thebulwark.com. Read all of our great stuff. Listen to the podcast. Follow the videos. We'll see you next week. Bye. Peace. Peace.